Thank you, Pastor Brendan. Turning your Bibles, if you will, to Genesis chapter 45. Genesis chapter 45. Boys and girls, you may go to play practice, if I get that right. And the rest of you should have received an outline in your bulletin. If you did not, if you'll raise your hand, one of our ushers will get you one of those momentarily. Everybody ready for Thanksgiving? Ladies, go ahead and say no. Uh, Jennifer, thank you for that. I heard that. Uh, I know ladies uh, can say no. Guys say absolutely, right? Eating, we're all about that, right? Just more and more. So I hope you guys have got some good plans, have good, t- uh, good uh, fellowship with your family this week. This morning we're going to kind of we're going to kind of start and bring start with our story with Joseph and bring it around to really. And what this week is about. You know, we've been talking about the life of Joseph uh, over the past uh, couple of months. And uh, been talking about how God worked in his life and how God cared for him and provided for him and took care of him through some, some pretty difficult circumstances. But the story that we've been looking at uh, is about so much more than what just happened to Joseph. Uh, The story we've been looking at, the the life of Joseph, is really about how God cared for and preserved his people, the Israelites, even before they were a people. Amen? So we're going to talk a little bit about that this morning, and we're going to, next time we're going to really wrap this up and kind of bring it all around to the purposes of why we even have this story in the Scripture. And it's really more important uh, than, uh, than, than it it really, it first seems, I mean, yes, this is some stuff that happens to Joseph, but why is it in the scriptures? Why is it in the Bible? We're going to kind of talk about that a little bit this morning, more uh, next time. But you know, when we talk about God's care for us, why do we have such a hard time putting our life into God's hands? You know, why do we have such a hard time trusting God? Now, we say we trust God, right? We sing about trusting God, but the reality is, if that's really true, then why do we worry? Why, do, why, why, why are we consumed with worry? Why do, we, why do we fret about the things that are going on in our lives? If, if we are really trusting in God, friends, then why are we even concerned about what's happening in our life at all? But can we all admit that sometimes kind of consumes us, doesn't it? Can we all admit that we all fall prey to the sin of worry, Right? Well, we don't call it worry, right? I just have, I, listen, and we need to be praying, but I have a prayer request, right? I, you know, pastor, I'm just, I'm really concerned about this, right? And so uh, we do, and those things consume us. But, uh, but, but the reality is, friends, while, while, while worry may be a natural thing, it is not a necessary thing, amen? We have a God who's in control, we have a God whom we can, who wants us to put and leave all of the problems and difficulties and trials and, and, and everything that's going on in our life in his hands. So this morning, as we continue to look at the life of Joseph and as we look at how God cared for Israel, I want to give you some assurances of God's care for you. Friends, God cares about you. Amen? 
He is watching over you. He has you in his hands. How do we know that? Number one, the first thing we see in our text and the first assurance that I want to give you is this, friends. God knows the problems you'll be going through or that you're going to go through before you do. God knows what you're going to go through before you do. Amen? He knows it. You know, as we've been looking at this, uh, the scriptures here, let's look in chapter 45. Uh, Here in chapter 45, Joseph has just revealed himself to uh, his family, to his brothers. And uh, he has, it's been kind of an emotional scene here in chapter 45, as we looked at last week. And in verse 6, we pick up where uh, we read a couple of these verses last week. But he says, for these two years, the famine has been in the land. So for two whole years, uh, already the famine has been going on. And the famine had gotten bad enough that Jacob had sent his sons down to Egypt, not once, but after they brought back some food, he, sent it, he, he had to send them again. Here's the deal. That was only two years into the famine. How many years did Joseph say, according to the dream that God gave Pharaoh, the famine was going to last? Seven total years. So this was only two years into it. Jacob, uh, was. I'm sure they were saying, man, this famine's getting pretty bad. How much longer is it going to go on? Joseph, Joseph says here, he says, there are still five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvesting. They thought, how much worse can it get? Man, there's more than, uh, more than twice as much as what we've already been through. Friends, they didn't know what they were going to go through, but God did. Amen? God did. God knew there was going to be five more years of famine. He knew before it ever happened, that's, that's kind of what this whole story is about, friends. And the awesome thing is, because God knew that, God had already made provision for them to be taken care of. He'd already taken care of it all. Amen? He'd already worked out all all the difficulties. Look at verse 8. Excuse me, we're going to pick up verse 7. Joseph's continuing to talk. He says, God sent me before you to preserve a posterity for you in the earth to save your lives by great deliverance. So now it was not you who sent me here, but God. And he has made me a father to Pharaoh, lord of all his house and ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. Then he begins giving them instructions to, to, to take, so that they can take care of the rest of the family. He says, hurry and go up to my father and say to him, Thus says your son Joseph, God has made me Lord of all Egypt. Come down to me. Do not tarry. You shall dwell in the land of Goshen. Who knew they were so near? Uh, and you shall be near to me. You and your children, your children's children, your flocks and your herds and all that you have. There I will provide for you lest you and your household and all that you have come to poverty, and there are still five years of famine. Behold, your eyes and the eyes of my brother Benjamin see that it is my mouth that speaks to you. So you shall tell my father of all my glory in Egypt, of all that you have seen, and you shall hurry and bring my father down here. Then he fell on his brother Benjamin's neck and wept, and Benjamin wept on his neck. Moreover, he kissed all his brothers and wept over them. After that, his brothers talked with him. Now the report of it was heard in Pharaoh's house, saying, Joseph's brothers have come. So it pleased Pharaoh and his servants well, and Pharaoh said to Joseph, Say to your brothers, do this, load your animals and depart, go to the land of Canaan, and bring your father and your households and come to me. I will give you the best of the land of Egypt, and you will eat the fat of the land. Now you are commanded, do this, take carts out of the land of Egypt for your little ones and your wives, bring your father and come. Do not be concerned about your goods, for the best of all the land of Egypt is yours." Friends, isn't that just awesome how before Jacob even knew there was a problem, God knew the problem. Amen? 
And before Jacob even knew that the problem wasn't over, I'm sure after two years they were thinking, how much longer can this famine last? Surely we can hold on. Surely we can hold on. Listen, there was a lot more to go, but God had already provided for them and was taking care of them, and they didn't even know it. Here's, here's the thing for us. You know, maybe, maybe you're here this morning, and you've just found out about some problem in your life. Maybe you're here this morning and, and you've, you've, uh, someone you love, has just, you've just found out they've come down with an illness. Maybe, maybe you're here this morning and you just found out that, that uh, your credit card number got stolen and some, some identity thief has been charging up on your credit card. Or, or, or maybe, maybe you've just found out or worried because they say there's going to be layoffs at your job or, or talking about your job is going to be eliminated. Friends, listen, you may have just found that out, but guess what? God already knew it. God already knew it. He knew what was going to happen before it ever happened. And listen, he didn't just know it, friends. He's got a plan for you. He's already provided for you. That ought to help us trust in the Lord, amen? That no matter what we're going through, friends, nothing surprises God. Listen, it may have surprised you, but it didn't surprise God, amen? And so whatever we're going through, friends, God already has it under control. How many of you have ever received a letter um, with bad news in it? Any kind of bad news? You ever received a letter with some kind of bad news? Maybe, maybe some test results from the doctor. You know, I hate that. You know, you, they, they call on the phone. Hey, I got to tell you some bad news, right? And most of the time they do that in person, but every now and then, maybe, maybe some test results from the doctor or, or, or maybe some bill that you thought your health insurance was going to pay and they should have paid, but they didn't. Man, so you open that letter and you look and you see, oh, man. They didn't pay this bill, and now all of a sudden you feel this big weight come over you, right? And, and you feel all this anxiousness inside, and, and you start worrying about it, and, and it's just kind of like all of a sudden this big ominous cloud has landed right over your head. Now, let me ask you a question. Did that problem exist before you opened that letter? Of course it did, Right? Uh, opening the letter didn't start the problem. The problem already exists. Well, why didn't you worry about it before you opened the letter? Well, I didn't know about it. Right. So, friends, here I have the answer to cure all your worries. Some of you are already on to me here. Don't open your mail. <laughs> Just let it pile up. You know, it'll take care of itself. You know, eventually, you know, they'll, eventually they'll come knock on your door, okay? So don't do that at all. Don't do that. That's not the way to not worry, okay? That's just postponing worry. The way to not worry is to put it all in God's hands, amen? Listen, was God in control before you opened that letter? Absolutely he was. Is he in control after you opened that letter? Absolutely he is, friends. And so... Uh, listen, let God worry about it. Amen. Let God worry about it. He already know. He already knew the problem existed before you did. He already knew it was coming. Friends, God uh, is going to help you through it. And he's going to listen. Are there things that we have to do sometimes? Yeah. I mean, there's, there's things we have to do. You may have to call whatever it is, but listen, once we've done what we can do, then we leave it in God's hands. Amen. God already knows the problems you're going to face even before you're going to face them. Now, one of, the, one of the problems we have there is, okay, pastor, I understand that God knows the problems that I'm going to go through before I'm going to go through it, but can we be honest? Can we be honest in church? Is that okay? 
um, sometimes we don't like how God works out the details, do we? <laughs> Can we admit that? You know, we kind of have our own way of how things ought to work out. Sometimes we don't, we don't like how God. So, Pastor, I'm not sure if I can just put it in God's hands. I need to manipulate things. I need to finagle things. I need to work things out because I'm not sure. Yeah, I know God's got it. I know he's going to take care of me, all that kind of stuff. But I'm not sure God's going to do it exactly the way I would like it done. Friends, that brings us to number two, okay? And I hope this will relieve some of those worries of yours, okay? Not only does God know all the problems you're going to face before you face them, friends, but God knows the desires of your heart. Friends, God knows the desires of your heart. You see, we worry that, you know, okay, there's things that, 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 that I need and that I want in the way, and so we, we want to manipulate and all that kind of stuff, friends, but God knows. God knows. Look at verse 21. Let's pick up where we left off there in, verse, in chapter 45. It says, Then the sons of Israel did so, and Joseph gave them carts according to the command of Pharaoh, and he gave them provisions for the journey. He gave to all of them, to each man, changes of garments, but to Benjamin he gave 300 pieces of silver. Wow! And five changes of garments. Now, it's no secret Benjamin was his younger brother, the same, um, the only brother of the same mother. Uh, and uh, so anyway, he loved Benjamin greatly. And now you notice doesn't even say anything about the jealousy there. So uh, anyway, verse 23. And he sent to his father these things, 10 donkeys loaded with the good things of Egypt, 10 female donkeys loaded with grain, bread and food for his father for the journey. So he sent his brothers away and they departed. And he said to them, see that you do not become troubled along the way. Then they went up out of Egypt and came to the land of Canaan to Jacob, their father. And they told him, saying, Joseph is still alive, and he's governor over all the land of Egypt. Now, what was the last thing Jacob, uh, the last news Jacob had gotten about his son was was simply his coat of many colors stained with blood. Now, they didn't explain what happened. He kind of assumed that Jacob had gotten killed by uh, by some wild animal and so forth. So his last thing was that Joseph was dead. Jacob thought Joseph was, was dead. So when they tell him here he's alive, in fact, he's governor of, over all the land of Egypt, it says Jacob's heart stood still because he didn't believe him. Friends, he almost had a heart attack. It was literally, oh, what? Now, this was a good what. You know, could it be, listen, you guys are playing with me. Don't mess with me like that, right? I, I can, okay, how many of you remember Sanford and Son? Okay, yeah, Elizabeth, this is a big one. I'm coming to join you. You know, or uh, uh, what was the show? You know, what you talking about, Willis? Okay, you remember that? And you know, that those are. I can just imagine some of those things like that coming out of Jacob's mouth when they told him Joseph was alive. Look at verse 27, and I think Joseph kind of knew that. That's why he kind of gave him all the stuff. Take all this back to my father and stuff. And so verse 27 says, When they told him all the words which Joseph had said to them, and when he saw the carts which Joseph had sent to carry him, the spirit of Jacob, their father, revived. Friends, the Hebrew words here indicate that the Jacob's spirit, the Hebrew word is chaya. It came to life. It is as if he'd been living a dead life, that he had been just going through the motions for 20 years, and now suddenly 
Woo! His spirit was alive. He was excited. I want you to notice something interesting here. And, and the text goes back and forth. Remember, God gave Jacob another name. What was the name God gave him? Israel. You notice in the verses we've been talking about here, it's been referring to him as Jacob. And then here in verse 28, what does it call him? Israel. It says, then Israel said, why? Because his heart began to trust in God. Uh, he trusted in God all, all the way, but, but, but he knew that God was alive. He knew that God was at work. And it was only God that could do this. Israel said, it is enough. Joseph, my son, is still alive. I will go and see him before I die. Friends, God knew what Jacob longed for. He longed uh, to, 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 to see his son again. And God gave him that very thing, and it brought him back to life. How exciting is that? Amen? Friends, here's the encouragement I have for you, friends. God knows the desires of your heart. I know that oftentimes we think we just have to endure this life while we're waiting for the next one. Amen? You know? Uh, Listen, the older we get, the more we realize that these bodies are feeble and they break down. And so after a while, I think it's very easy, even as a believer. Listen, we're supposed to look forward to heaven. Amen? Heaven's going to be awesome. It's more, more wonderful. We're not going to be just sitting up on a, we're not going to be sitting on clouds playing harps, all right, or guitars or whatever, right? No, we're going to be in the presence of Almighty God, and it is going to be far beyond anything we can ever imagine. Friends, but listen, this life is not all about just having to endure it while we wait for heaven. Friends, God has a plan for us now. Friends, oftentimes we get into a rut and we just get into this woe me syndrome and, and it becomes in this life kind of like Jacob, like we were just like we're just going through the motions, doesn't it? Friends, if you're a child of God, let me assure you, God knows the desires of your heart and he longs to fulfill them. Would you look at a couple of scriptures with me? Jeremiah 29 verse 11 says this, God says, for I know the thoughts that I think towards you. Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a hope and a future. Next, in John chapter 10, verse 10, Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and they may have it, what? More abundantly, more abundantly. And then Psalm chapter 37 says, delight yourself also in the Lord and he shall give you what? The desires of your heart. You say, so pastor, does that mean that that Lamborghini, if I just want it bad enough, God's going to give it to me? You can keep thinking that if you want. I don't know. Listen, you know, maybe, maybe we can devise a way in which that Lamborghini is a ministry tool. Amen? You know, and that becomes a ministry. And I'm just kidding. Friends, God, God giving us the desires of our heart may not include what we think are the desires of our heart. You know, it may not include a Lamborghini or, or winning the lottery or, or Mark even Notre Dame winning the national championship or Uh, You know, it may not include that, okay, friends? But God knows what our heart really desires. He knows what we really need. He knows that what what our heart really desires is is to be at peace with him, amen? Uh, He knows that what our heart really desires is to have joy, love, contentment, hope. Friends, God knows that, friends, and he longs to give us those things. And let me just tell you, God's not just going to give us those things. You know, there are other things that I didn't even know were the desires of my heart years ago that God has done in my life, and I say, thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you. So, friends, I'm here to assure you, does God really care about you? Absolutely he does. Is God going to take care of you? 
Absolutely it, he, he is. Friends, can you really trust in him? Absolutely you can. Friends, because God knows the problems we're going to face before we're even going to face them. Amen? God knows the desires of our heart. And let me just say this. Not only does he long to fulfill them, he's the only one who can truly fulfill them. That's what kind of America's all messed up with is we think we can fill it with all kind of other things. Then we find out that none of those things fill the void in our heart. Only God can. Only God can. Friends, and, and that brings us to the third assurance that I want to I give you this morning to help you help your trust in God. And that is this, friends. God's care for us is often beyond anything we can ever imagine. Let's pick up in verse 26 of chapter 46. Now, you can read the rest of chapter 46. Some of that is talking about Jacob beginning. Uh, Jacob, uh, as he began, or excuse me, yeah, Jacob, Israel, as he began the journey, stopped and offered sacrifices to God, uh, uh, sacrifices of thanksgiving to God, and they began the journey. And then it gives all the list of all of his uh, uh, sons and their children and why all that. It gives the list of all of that here in, verse 40, in chapter 46. And then down in verse 26, we pick up, it says, All the persons who went with Jacob to Egypt, who came from his body, besides Jacob's sons' wives, were 66 persons in all. And the sons of Joseph, who were born to him in Egypt, were two persons. All the persons of the house of Jacob who went to Egypt were 70. Now, that's important. And it's important for many reasons. But one of the reasons that it's important, how many went down to Egypt, about how many came out of Egypt some 400 and some odd years later? Probably a couple million. Now, secular historians and secular um, people want to say that that's impossible, that a people could not explode and multiply that much in that length of time. Friends, I, I tend to want to believe the Word of God, okay? And, uh, you know, I haven't done the math, but, you know, uh, the, it's the, the compound process of, of compounding, not with money but with people, right? That's what took place. And the point is that God blessed them. God blessed them down in Egypt, far beyond anything Israel could have ever, ever imagined. As they continue, they're going down. Look at verse 28. It says, Then he sent Judah before him to Joseph to point out before him the way to Goshen. And they came to the land of Goshen. So Joseph made ready his chariot and went up to Goshen to meet his father Israel. And he presented himself to him and fell on his neck and wept on his neck a good while. And Israel said to Joseph, Now let me die. Now let me die, since I've seen your face because you were still alive. He was so happy. Then Joseph said to his brothers and to his father's household, I will go up and tell Pharaoh and say to him, My brothers and those of my father's house who are in the land of Canaan have come to me. And the men are shepherds, for their occupation has been to feed livestock. They have brought their flocks, their herds, and all that they have. So it shall be when Pharaoh calls you and says, What is your occupation? that you shall say, your servant's occupation has been with livestock from our youth even till now, both we and also our fathers, that you may dwell in the land of Goshen. For every shepherd is an abomination to the Egyptians. Let me pause here for just a minute and and you say, what's going on here, Pastor? Well, the reality is uh, this was uh, 
Joseph uh, had said he was going to set them up in the land of Goshen, which was really kind of would be separate from the rest of the, all the main Egyptians. And really that was part of God's plan. It was uh, because God wanted to keep them a distinct people. They were his people, and God wanted to preserve them that way. If they were to come down and begin to uh, fully mingle and start intermarrying with Egyptians, all of them, then uh, the nation of Israel, as God had it planned, would not have been, been, been a nation. And so even down in Israel, uh, down in Egypt, God preserved the nation of Israel even really before they were a nation. Look at verse 1 of 47. It says, Then Joseph went and told Pharaoh and said, My father and my brothers, their flocks and their herds and all that they possess have come from the land of Canaan, and indeed they are in the land of Goshen. And he took five men from among his brothers and presented them to Pharaoh. Then Pharaoh said to his brothers, What's your occupation? They said to Pharaoh, your servants are shepherds, both we and our fathers. And they said to Pharaoh, we have come to dwell in the land because your servants have no pasture for their flocks, for the famine is severe in the land of Canaan. Now, therefore, please let your servants dwell in the land of Goshen. Then Pharaoh spoke to Joseph, saying, your father and your brothers have come to you. The land of Egypt is before you. Have your father and brothers dwell in the best of the land. Let them dwell in the land of Goshen. And if you know any competent men among them, then make them chief herdsmen over my livestock. So Joseph's plan, Joseph was, as we already know, wise man. And the things that he had pleased Pharaoh. And it was uh, as, as just as he had laid out. Verse 7 says, Then Joseph brought in, in his father Jacob and set him before Pharaoh. And Jacob blessed Pharaoh. Now, the interesting thing here is, as we're going to find out here in just a minute, Jacob was an old man by this time. Uh, Pharaoh was probably not. Okay, so here Pharaoh, probably pretty young, uh, standing before Jacob. And Pharaoh said to Jacob, how old are you? Jacob said to Pharaoh, the days of my years, the days of the years of my pilgrimage are 130 years. Few and evil or few and difficult have been the days of the years of my life. They have not attained to the days of the years of the life of my father's. In the day of their pilgrimage, if you remember, Abraham lived to about 175 years old, Isaac to 180, so he wasn't there yet. He wasn't going to be there. So verse 10, Jacob blessed Pharaoh and went out from before Pharaoh. And Joseph situated his father and his brothers and gave them a possession in the land of Egypt, in the best of the land, in the land of Ramses. That was in the land of Goshen, as Pharaoh had commanded. And Joseph provided his fa- for his father, his brothers, and all his father's household with bread, according to the number in their families. And then look over at verse 27. says, So Israel dwelt in the land of Egypt, in the country of Goshen, and they had possessions there, and grew and multiplied exceedingly. Friends, God took care of them and provided for Jacob and his family far beyond anything they could ever imagine. Here, here they were. I, I bet Jacob, Jacob didn't ex- certainly didn't expect for God to provide for him down in Egypt, right? If God was going to take care of him, surely God would take care of him in the land of Canaan where God had called him to, friends. But nevertheless, God's care and, and, and for his family was beyond anything he could ever imagine. It wasn't in the way he thought it might would be, friends, but God provided nonetheless. Friends, oftentimes when God cares for us, it's not in the way we think. Amen? It's not how we think. It's not how we would have done it, friends. But God provides for us. His care for us is abundant. How many of you have ever been out to Lake Tahoe? 
Brendan, you've been to Lake Tahoe? I figured you may have, several others, okay? Uh, beautiful lake, I've heard. Uh, lake Tahoe sits on the border of California and uh, Nevada. Uh, very large lake, very deep, in fact. In fact, Lake Tahoe is the eighth deepest lake in the world. Back in, on uh, July 4th, 1875, uh, two men... They knew this was a deep lake, and they wanted to figure out, this was before sonar or any of that stuff, they wanted to figure out how deep Lake Tahoe was. So you know what they did? Now, you put two guys together out on a fishing boat, and you're going to come up with a lot of ingenuity. Right, Tom Ball? That's right. You know, a lot of fat being chewed out there and stuff, and you're just kind of figuring out a lot of problems and so forth. So these guys took a weighted champagne bottle, tied it on a fishing line from the side of their boat, and lowered it down to discover to figure out how deep Lake Tahoe was. And believe it or not, that was a lot of fishing line, but they determined that it was 1,645 feet deep. About a third of a mile deep. Following the invention of uh, several years, quite a few years later, of sonar, the soundings by the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration confirmed that their reading was correct. <laughs> Pretty interesting. But take Lake Tahoe is a, is a big lake. It's so large and deep and carries so much water that if the lake was tipped over, its contents would cover California in 14 and a half inches of water. That's a lot of water. It's so big that Lake Tahoe could provide every person in the United States with 50 gallons of water per day for five years. In fact, just the evaporation from Lake Tahoe over the course of one year could supply a city the size of Los Angeles with water for five years. And friends, Lake Tahoe's not even the biggest lake in the United States, states, much less the biggest in the world. But friends, uh, as abundant as Lake Tahoe's water supply is, did you know uh, Lake Tahoe, if you were to start drinking Lake Tahoe, you couldn't drink the whole thing if you lived to 120. <laughs> you know, there's more water there than, 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 than you could ever exhaust its supply. And friends, just like Lake Tahoe, friends, the provision for of our God are even greater than that. Amen? It's even greater than, than, than the largest lake uh, on our planet, friends. All of us together could never exhaust the limits of God's provision. You know, as I think back on my life, I'm grateful. God has always provided what I've needed. Not always what I've wanted. You know what? I'm grateful for that. I look back on my life and I look at some of the foolish pursuits I had and some of the things that I wanted. Some of the things he allowed me to have them, you know that? Only to show me that that's not what you really want. Those things don't bring happiness. Some of the things, praise God, he, he didn't allow me to have, and I'm grateful for that. Amen? I'm grateful for that. Friends, no matter what area of my life, my experience has been that God has always been there for me and he's always provided for me. And I am grateful to him. Friends, maybe you're here this morning and that hasn't been your experience. Maybe you haven't, uh, you haven't put your faith and trust in God. Maybe you've had a lot of need. You've experienced a lot of need in your life, whether that's physically or, 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 or financially or emotionally or maybe in your relationships. Maybe right now you're experiencing a time of need. Friends, if that's where you are, if that's your experience, number four is for you. I want to give you one more piece of assurance. One more assurance here that will help you, I believe, 
to get past where you are, maybe where you have been, and that is this, friends. God often allows us to come to a point of need so that we can know the faithfulness of his provision. You know, when I gave that word of testimony just a second ago, that, that God has always been there for me. He's always taken care of me. He's always provided. I'm so grateful for that. Friends, I, I never said that there weren't times in my life when, when I wondered whether God would provide or not. There were. You know, not just financially, but in, in all different areas of my life. You know, there are times we come to this and we say, okay, God, what are you doing here? God, what about this? God, what about this? And there were times where, uh, you know, okay, is God, is God really going to do what he said he's going to do? If I trust in him in this area of my life, is it, is it something that, that, that he's going to come through? Friends, I'm here to tell you, God has always been faithful. He's always faithful. Friends, as we talk about this story of Joseph and the story of the nation of Israel before they even became a nation, why did God allow a famine in the land, the very land he led Jacob to? It, this was the promised land. Why would he allow a famine in that land? Friends, why would God allow Jacob and his family to come to a point of need there in the promised land? Wasn't this supposed to be a land overflowing with milk and honey? Why would God allow them to ha- have to go down to Egypt for provisions? Friends, God allowed that so that he could demonstrate to them his faithfulness. Over and over and over again, friends, God demonstrated his faithfulness to the nation of Israel. And friends, he's done the same thing for us. Friends, sometimes God allows us to come to a point of need, whether it's financially, physically, spiritually, emotionally, or whatever. He allows us to come to a point of need, friends, so that we have to rely on him. He allows us to come to a point of need, friends, so he can prove himself faithful to us. Amen? Listen, you know, sometimes the people who are the most uh, against God are those who are brought up with a silver spoon in their mouth. And they've never had many problems in their life. And financially and physically, they've always been provided for and taken care of. And I think in some ways, that's kind of where we are in our country here in America today. And therefore, you know, God has to bring us to a point, uh, bring us to our knees before we're willing to put our trust in him. Friends, God allows us to come to that point. So that we will surrender to him. And it will put all our faith and trust in him. So. I want to ask you just a wrap up question this morning. God knows our problems before we ever do. Amen. God knows the desires of our heart. He provides abundantly for us. Far beyond what we can ever think or imagine. And friends many times the reason God brings us to a point of need. Is so that he can prove his faithfulness to us. So the question for us this morning, I believe, is this. So how should we respond to a God who cares for us so abundantly? Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20 says this. And when I was in seminary, I had a professor that uh, this is the way he closed class every day. And uh, because he closed with this verse, uh, it's been a while, but I, I... This verse just continually comes back to my mind over and over again. Now to him, 
who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above and beyond all we ask or think, according to the power that works in us. To Him be glory in the church through Christ Jesus our Lord forever and ever. Amen. What should our response be? Our response should be a response of thanksgiving. You know, I read something, uh, I think it was just last night, maybe the night before, uh, that was talking about one of the saddest things. And, and, you know, even secular folk have recognized that an attitude of thankfulness goes a long way towards a, a, a positive, healthy, uh, not only outlook on life, but a, but a healthy disposition in all of, our, all of our lives. The sad thing is this, friends. When someone who doesn't believe in God, who doesn't know God, is thankful... Who are they thankful to? What are they thankful to? Friends, our thankfulness is because we have a God who has been loving and gracious and kind and wonderful to us. Amen. Even in our sin, He has provided for us. Even when we were disobeying Him and running the other way, He sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to die for us. Before and while we were yet sinners, Jesus Christ died for us. How grateful are you for what God has done for you? Here's what I want to do. I'm going to ask Pastor Brendan to come on forward this morning. I want to just take a few moments before we... We're going to close with a a song that is is, um, just singing praise to God, thankfulness to Him for what He's done for us. But before we do, I just want to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes just right where you are. Okay, we'll stand in just a minute. Maybe some of you want to go ahead and come to the altar if you, if you just feel so led. That's fine. But I want to just take a few moments here for you to just to say, thank you, Lord. Lord, thank you for giving me the very breath of life. Lord, thank you. Lord, thank you for watching over me, even in the difficult times. Lord, thank you for bringing me through those hard times of life. Lord, thank you for saving me. Thank you for sending Jesus Christ to die on the cross for me. Friends, whatever it is that that you are thankful for, I just want to take a moment right now, just you right there in your seat by yourself, you and God. Would you thank him? that you have poured out for us on the cross. Thank you for doing what we could not do for ourselves. Lord, thank you. Lord, for giving us the very breath of life. Thank you for sustaining us. 
Lord, even in the world we live in and all the evil that's out there, Lord, and all the bad things that are happening, Lord, we know that you are, you are restraining evil. Lord, in your goodness, never ceases to amaze us. Thank you for your mercies that are new every morning. Lord, thank you for your Holy Spirit that you've given to lead us and guide us. Convict us, Lord, we need convicting. Point the way in which we need to go. Lord, we thank you for such a wonderful church family that we can come together and fellowship together, Lord, and we can worship you and praise you. We can have bonds, Lord, that are stronger than the bonds of blood. Lord, thank you for calling us your children. Thank you for adopting us into your family. Lord, thank you for giving us a hope and a future. Lord, thank you for providing for us so, so abundantly. Lord, help us to never, ever take the things that we have in our lives for granted. Lord, we are forever in debt to you. We love you. We thank you. Lord Jesus, it's in your name we pray. Amen.